0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: Straight ahead this morning on the insiders, this lousy winter weather is finally ending, so we want to think ahead to sunny days. We're going to go inside the debate about solar. We're going to talk about why Mid American Energy and some others think that some Iowans are not paying their fair share for solar power access but why some in the solar business say that is a totally unfair view of things. Plus, some new polling out in Iowa about the Mueller investigation. Matt Sinovic will join us on how he thinks Democrats should push so the public knows what is in that final report. And in the Insider's Quick Six, the best way to pick a president in 2020 when there are so many, many choices. Good morning and top of the morning to you here on this March 17th. We're going to start this morning with an argument about solar power. Still a fairly new technology. Far more Iowans rely on traditional electricity or natural gas, perhaps. But supporters feel like solar possesses some clean energy potential. Now, lawmakers are debating some changes to the solar power process. We're going to talk about that. Todd Miller is the CEO of One Source Solar in Ankeny. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. John Steinman's back. He's the executive director of the Iowa Chamber Alliance. Thanks for coming back. Good morning. All right, gents. Uh, Todd, let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about what your company does in the business right now.
2: So the reason I started OneSource Solar is so that we could help our clients. We do a lot with agriculture in the agricultural industry. Uh, we do a lot with small businesses to try to help them be able to hedge against operating expenses. So. One of There's not very many fixed expenses that farmers can control, electricity being one of them. So by installing their own solar arrays, they're able to take control of that expense for many years to come. So you deal with
1: a lot of smaller, smaller clients? We right? do
2: a lot of small businesses and a lot of farmers, a lot okay. of hog buildings, turkey buildings.
1: All right, so you're watching some of this that they're talking about up at the state house. How would this impact you? change it
2: truly would kill our business we right now uh we we have a certain amount of value that uh, we're able to give to our clients from the energy that's produced Uh, the bill is basically stating that they're going to charge my clients more because they're costing the grid more money or at least their neighbors more money because they don't have solar which is completely false Uh, Our our customers pay the exact same fees that their neighbors pay. We also produce energy during the summer when it's at peak demand uh, and lowering the generation uh, resources that MidAmerican or Lion Energy or any other utilities are having to use. They're charging higher rates for that same power if we're overproducing to their neighbors and our clients are really receiving Less for for that already. So we're, we're adding to the grid. We're paying the exact same expenses uh, that their neighbors are paying. So this whole fairness issue is complete hogwash. It's just a monopoly trying to make sure that they're the only ones that are able to offer energy.
1: John, you uh, usually are on this show talking about the needs of businesses, particularly small business. In this case, so you hear Todd's story here, if if this would go through as they're t- discussing here and customers would perhaps pay maybe $300 a year extra for this access, doesn't that then hurt small business?
3: Yeah, it's a different point of view here. So we're looking at things from kind of a macro perspective. Of course, we're very sensitive to the needs of small businesses. But we also have to look at the overall you know, Iowa economic opportunity. And if you look back over the course of the last decade and what Iowa's realized in renewable energy, it's been quite striking. The wind industry has taken off because we set the stage from a policy perspective to capitalize on it. We're now one of the leading states. Uh, we're pushing 50% now in our renewable uh, energy produced. By wind. By wind. Uh, and so we have a, a tremendous opportunity when it comes to green energy. And it's not just the jobs and the capital investment that came because of wind, or rather in wind, but because of wind, billions of dollars in capital investment came to Iowa because they wanted green energy. And so what we want to do and what this bill does is it sets to, serves to set the stage so we can make sure that we have a more fair energy policy when it comes to renewables. So, And what we're talking about is making sure that we make Iowa available to the you know, utility-scale, large-scale uh, solar investments that we're currently really not because the cost structure is not set up in a way that, that is attractive for that investment. And so what we're talking about with this bill, what it does, is really all it does, is it takes, uh, it takes a private solar generation and says you're using the grid. The only way that customers pay for the grid is through their energy cost. They're avoiding that cost because they're generating their own energy, which is terrific. But they're not paying for the grid and they're using the grid both ways by pushing and pulling power.
1: But aren't they supplying
3: power? They're, they're supplying power, but they're supplying that power at a retail rate. And it's fine that they're that they're able to generate a little bit more than what they're able to use, but then they're selling it back to the, to the grid to the utility at, at a retail rate um, up to for the whole year for how much they generate or how much they need rather beyond that they get a wholesale rate but that retail rate the utility can certainly generate their own power for much less and in a state like Iowa, that power is already green so we shouldn't be paying a premium that's actually requiring the utility to
1: to pay an increased
3: price for that energy.
1: Todd, what about that? We kind of get into the weeds a little bit here with with what John's going in, but what about the different rates
2: there? He's been fed a lot of information that the utilities want him to hear. And first of all, obviously in Iowa, we just went through this winter. We know that we're really only making power when the sun's shining. So we make the majority of our power from May to October off of our solar array. That is the peak demand. Right on MidAmerican's website, it says, "Our peak demand. We've got to charge you more rates because we have to use more resources in order to produce this power. So your rates are going to be higher from June to September. So that's high value. If and that's usually when we're overproducing is during the summer months. So we're adding that high value, clean energy, stable energy to the grid. At that, we might not. My clients might not get credited." back for that during the winter months when the rates are lower. So they actually are adding value to the grid at that time and Mid-America is not able to or not having to use more coal or fire up more resources in order to meet those air conditioning demands.
1: John, do you? I've heard some other producers make this same point that basically this is just a bill to help Mid-America and it shuts out the little guy.
3: No, in fact it's the little guy that's being looked out for in this bill and I'll tell you why because we are talking about an industry that installs, and I understand that you want to look out for your customers with that subsidy, and they, and they receive you know, about 50% in tax incentives that we're not trying to touch at all. Um, so if you put up a solar array, you get about 50% of the cost of that covered through tax incentives, which great, we want to incentivize renewable energy. But when we're talking about a cost that's subsidized by your fellow customer, that's where we have to get things straightened out. And it is that use of the grid that's not captured and we're talking about getting that rectified so that we have about $0.90 cents a day to pay for the use of the grid. Remember that solar cluster is pushing and pulling that, that, that energy back and forth. We're just talking about recouping about $0.90 cents a day uh, in order to pay for that. Because if you're a lower fixed-income consumer, that energy bill is one of your highest expenses on a monthly basis. And so you're disproportionately affected. On the other end, if you're a large industrial user and you're using a great deal of power, then you're also disproportionately affected because you're paying for all of that grid maintenance that's being avoided. Look, Dave, this problem is a small problem today because we don't have all
2: that much solar.
1: And, and I've, I read some stat that 1% of Americans rely on solar. I don't yeah. know if that's a stat you all agree right. with. And it's but a
2: tenth of a percent in Iowa and mid-America. It's so and, premature and it's fast. ridiculous.
3: And growing
1: fast. But here's the deal. It's not
3: premature, Todd, and here's why. It's because this does grow quite a bit, and if you continue to grow anywhere near the rates that you have, this becomes a really large problem that will be affecting the economics for all Iowans. And as Iowans, what we try to do is get ahead of problems. We don't want to you know, just
2: sit back and say that's something we could ignore, ignore until it's a real deal. I think as Iowans, we don't want to get ahead like they did in Nevada, Berkshire Hathaway's utility there also – introduced the exact same type of legislation. It killed the solar industry there. It did away with 2,600 jobs. Two years later, the Republican governor of that state reinstated net metering as it stands here in Iowa today. And today, there are well over 6,000 jobs, solar jobs, in that making Nevada Nevada one of the higher solar-generated states. If, If we make the same mistakes, there are 41 states that net meter in the United States right now. We're going to be one of 10 that don't. That's not that true. That's an absolute ridiculous Dave, that's, policy. That, that's actually absolutely not right. true.
3: Net metering is completely I, in place I just looked in fact it up yesterday. In this legislation, net meters not only still get paid back at, at retail rate, they actually have more options for how they can finance their solar array underneath this, or they, their energy purchase agreements with the utility. To say that this is killing net, re- net metering is just simply not true. That's and the bill's, it is not the Nevada bill. Is not it, it, and you should read the to, two because they're you, not you the should
2: yeah I, everybody out there should read that what happened in Nevada and see what happened there they should also see what's going on in Kansas right now they did the same thing down there the Koch brothers did down there and now they're having a huge backlash down there because they're going back and charging these higher rates that they're saying we're not adding value to state of Minnesota has value-added studies that have been done um that have shown nothing that only that we're adding value to the grid. All right, we gotta take a time out here. I gotta leave it at yeah. that for now. Thank
1: you both, appreciate yeah, the time here. All right, when we come back, we're gonna talk about the governor In an interesting moment we watched as she was talking about an effort to give convicted felons their voting rights back. We'll show you that next.
3: Restoring voting rights does more than afford a trip to the ballot box. It really resurrects dignity and it begins reentry into life as a contributing member of our communities.
1: Governor Reynolds says a new streamlined one-page application makes it easier and cheaper than the previous three-pager convicted felons had to use to appeal to get their voting rights back. The governor has now simplified this process twice during her year and a half in office. This time she's cut out the $15 application fee along with requirements to include financial and criminal background history forms. Her predecessor Terry Branstad also streamlined the process. However, he also rescinded Tom Vilsack's executive order that automatically restored voting rights once felons completed their sentence. The leader of the Iowa NAACP applauded Governor Reynolds' efforts to make this easier for felons right now as they reenter society. But as she stood next to the governor during a ceremony, she also pointed out that she'd like the governor to use that executive order the way Tom Vilsack did, as the governor is waiting for a possible constitutional amendment from lawmakers to approve here to make restoring voting rights permanent.
3: And we worked um, with uh, Governor Branstad um, on the initial streamlining of this application. And so we are here glad to see that it is being streamlined again. Um, but that doesn't also mean that we are not very much interested in a, an executive order for um, voting because we do
1: think that that is important in the interim. That did make for an interesting dynamic here. You don't usually see somebody invited to join a governor in a public event like this and then disagree with the governor, even if it was just on this one part. So it wasn't tense though by anyway by any means. And the governor kind of laughed it off later saying, She will not try the executive order now though, because she's thinking lawmakers could just assume this issue's been taken care of rather than pushing to get that constitutional amendment. Here's how she responded here.
3: Then I'm really giving them an easy out, so I want to just, right now, I'm going to just stay focused on, and Betty says that to me every time I talk to her, so Betty would not be doing her job if she didn't say that to me every time I'm in front of her.
1: So that's how that all went down. All right. One of the governor's closest political friends, U.S. Senator Joni Ernst, is up for reelection next year. And she's going to have to deal with whatever the aftermath of this Mueller investigation finds out here about the Trump campaign's involvement with Russia. When we come back, Matt Sinovic has a few ideas on this. More than three dozen indictments alleging nearly 200 crimes have been a result of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation so far into the Trump campaign's involvement with Russia for the 2016 election. They have led to prison sentences from some of Donald Trump's Trump's closest aides, including former campaign manager Paul Manafort and his longtime personal attorney Michael Cohen. Mueller's investigation began back in 2017. It's dominated the news at times. The president has repeatedly said there was no collusion with Russia. Matt Sinovic is the executive director of Progress Iowa. So you were part of uh, this, did some statewide polling mm-hmm. here, right, on what the Mueller investigation findings should be and how much we should find out. Uh, public policy did the polling yeah, public for Public policy here. polling. Um, so obviously overwhelming here. Most of the people they talk to say, make this report public. What does that tell you?
0: It tells me that Iowans believe in transparency and and in the rule of law. One of the questions that was also asked, um, was whether or not people think that the president should be held to account if he broke the law, and eighty five percent think that that 's the case that, the pre- that that no one, not even the president, should be above the law and that's a that 's a huge number you don 't see that the, that kind of agreement across party lines, but one of the most telling points was that seventy four percent of Iowans think that Senator ernst should should support making this Mueller report. Public, whenever it is completed. And Senator Grassley actually has a bipartisan piece of legislation in the Senate with Senator Blumenthal to, to make the report public. And unfortunately, Senator Ernst has not signed on to that. And, and, and she, she, she absolutely should.
1: And we've heard some different legal opinions here on how much of this can be released. And there's no real... There's nothing that says this has to be released other than just right. the public wanting to know here and different mm-hmm. lawmakers have different thoughts on here. So how are you using this to try to pressure Ernst as she faces re-election next year?
0: Well, I mean, regardless of of the re-election question, I mean, she should support transparency, she should support releasing this report and and she should really, I mean, I you know, I, I don't often agree with Senator Grassley as you know, uh, but but he is his legislation is is absolutely correct. The report should be made public. Um, and, and she needs to sign on to that legislation and support it. Just this week, uh, Dave in, in, in the House, uh, Congress passed a resolution 420 to nothing, that, that uh, 420 to0 that the Mueller report should be made public. Um, y- again, you do not see that kind of agreement across party lines on just about anything. Uh, now, um, uh, Democrats and Republicans agree. That, that the people have a right to know. I mean, you, you rattled off the, the statistic or the numbers at the, at the just a minute ago, but 199 uh, criminal charges, 37 defendants, seven found guilty. Paul Manafort, the president's campaign chairman, now going to federal prison for seven and a half years. And it there,
1: faces a state investigation as well.
0: Right. So this is this is a serious investigation. Uh, whenever it's completed the Americans, Iowans, we have a right to know what was discovered about uh, about the president and and his team, his business, uh, all of these entities. Um.
1: And, and backing off of that, um, this, of course, brings up the impeachment question, right? Mm-hmm. And so Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said she's not really talking a lot about this and doesn't really necessarily want the the party to focus a lot about it. How do you think Democrats should talk about impeachment and deal with it?
0: I mean, I think impeachment is a Uh, Unfortunately, it's a political question because it's it's dealt by dealt with by Congress and, you know, the House and the Senate. I think that everything is right. Right. (laughs) So so I think that it is what what's most important is that the public knows what what actually happened, because if there is something that happened that would that could or should prompt impeachment, then the transparency, having that information out there, that That would be what would create a political groundswell of support for that and and because it 's a political question, I think that's that's what would need to ha- need to happen in order for that to to move forward so i think I think right now the most important thing we can do is is just try and learn what what really went on and what did the what has the Mueller investigation uncovered. And make sure that every Iowa and every American gets a chance to read that report in full.
1: All right. If you'll hang on here, we'll come back for the quick six here in a moment. When we come back, we want to talk about three Urbandale teens who show just how creative, smart, and insightful they are. Up next, the national honor they just received. All right, we want to talk about some impressive high school students in Urbandale. C-SPAN holds this competition every year. It's a national video documentary contest. Students in 6th through 12th grades are allowed to take part here. They submit these five to six minute videos. This year had a theme and it was what does it mean to be American? They had 6,300 students entered nationwide and these three Urbandale teens did especially well. Jacob Salmon, Matthew Morin and Riley Vanderhart. Here's a little piece of what they submitted.
3: There's so many avenues we can explore with that question, but that's part of why being an American is so special. Jacob, how's that map going? Done! I really think this is going to help us find the answer. I know it looks a little crazy, but... Yeah, that's a lot of yarn. <sighs> it all comes back to having an open, free voice, which is enumerated in the First Amendment of the Constitution. But, like, where do we even start with this? I think we should start by looking at the ability to protest which is a defining characteristic of our nation. We decided to track down Cameron Caskey, a survivor of the Parkland school shooting and a founder of the March for Our Lives movement.
0: The fact that I can go out to the streets and say that I'm not proud of what we're doing is why I'm proud to be an American. That shows the strength that we have, and that shows the strength in numbers, and that shows the influence we have on the people around us. To get involved, to get active, it has to, it has to hit you.
1: It's just a little taste of it. It's about six minutes long, and you can find the full video on my Facebook page. By the way, there was one grand prize winner. These Urbandale teens were one of the three first-place high school winners, so they were the champs for the Central Region. Congrats to all of them. The Insider's Quick, Quick Six is up next. Time for the Insider's Quick Six. Max Zinovic is back. All right, Matt, your group, Progress Iowa, mm-hmm. stays neutral. Yes. All right. What will its role be? with your 70,000 members here in 2019 as we lead into the caucuses?
0: Well, stay tuned because we are going to release soon uh, 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 an expanded list of events where uh, this year, uh, we normally have a few big events throughout the year, but we're gonna do even more this year where people can meet with and uh, and hear from these presidential candidates. It helps when you have 20 of them. Speaking of, <laughs> uh,
1: question two, because there are so many democratic choices, how do you think the candidates themselves should try to stand out do they do kind of big picture is it messaging should they just dominate one particular issue take on trump what do you think
0: I mean, I think it comes down to meeting as many people as you possibly can, and I know that sounds probably over overly simplistic, but in a caucus race or a primary race in one of these early states, especially here, it matters a lot when you can spend time here and and look at you know look somebody in the eye and ask for their support. So that would be my advice.
1: Uh, question three: Your website has a place on there where it asks people to give their top policy priority. Mm-hmm. What has come through on that so far?
0: I mean, it's usually issues that impact families. So uh, whether it's the dignity of someone's uh, work, whether it's uh, affordable childcare, healthcare, um, all of these things impact how, how strong our families can be.
1: Uh, Question four, let's talk about healthcare. A lot of ideas here, Medicare for all, some kind of Medicare buy-in, maybe a totally alternative uh, setup altogether for healthcare. Is there kind of a dominant wish by your members? Can you tell?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's that, everyone is covered and everyone is able to go see a doctor if they need to. Um, And, I mean, I don't think there's one particular policy prescription. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, Medicare for all is certainly popular, um, but this is an issue that we've been facing since uh, President Harry Truman put it in the Democratic Party platform in the 1940s uh, calling for uh, coverage for, for health care for every American. And so uh, whatever it takes to get there is what uh, what I think needs to happen.
1: All right, question five. Again, back to the candidates. With so many choices, give some advice to caucus goers about how to pick a candidate and how to figure this out from now until February.
0: Well on the flip side of what I uh, said for the candidates, I mean people should show up. I mean just show up to events. It's it's not just Progress Iowa. There's uh, pl- uh, Democratic Party events. There are other organ- issue organizations like ours that are having having events. Make sure that your voice is heard. Um, uh, if you like a candidate, volunteer obviously. But, but uh, when you're making your decision, find out who who, you, who supports uh, people like you and, and who, who will improve your life. Um, and and um, I think that, at a very basic level, sometimes gets lost in all the political uh, all right. talk, but, but who's going to make your life a little bit all better? All right, quick prediction. Um, well, Linda Upmeyer, two years from now, will not be Speaker of the House, but this week with the uh, March Madness, uh, Progress Iowa always releases our Extreme 16, and she's a strong contender to be in that in that group of 16.
1: All right, Matt Cinovac, appreciate the time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being with us. Let's stay connected throughout the week. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll see you next Sunday.